Should designers code? I think it's a very empowering and valuable skill to have. I really think you are a better designer if you know exactly how your vision is going to be turned into reality. It feels like designers are more and more interested in going the extra mile. That's why designers are learning how to code, designers are learning React, you know, because we want more innovation. There's so much you can put into a design system. Design system is where innovation can happen. Once you're solving a ton of problems and you've got a lot of different ways of solving those problems, that's when you want to really invest in your design system. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. In the room, to my immediate left, is Kalig. Hi, I'm Kalig. I'm a French developer in San Francisco, and I work at Salesforce on the Lightning Design System. Awesome. I didn't actually realize you were on that actual specific system, so I'll have questions for you. And then uh, also in the room, we've got Rafa, who's been here before. So Rafa, mm-hmm. say hello. Hi. I've been here before. Yes, that is very correct. And then finally, Craig, all the way in the corner. Hey, yeah, I'm Craig. Uh, I'm South African, and I work at Braintree on our developer experience team. Cool. And obviously, I'm Brian. I'm American. <laughs> <laughs> Rafa, it's Portuguese. I guess I'm, mm-hmm. well, I guess our engineers. I guess American. I don't know. I didn't ask him before we started, but I'm just going to make an, a, a really bad assumption and assume. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we didn't actually come in here to talk about our nationalities. We actually came in to talk about design and specifically design systems. So, Kaylee, I was mentioned before we, we actually hit record. We actually had a conversation a few weeks ago, and you had mentioned what you did, and we talked about design systems and your blog post that you actually wrote. Do you want to explain like what your blog post is about and and uh, what design systems are? Yeah, so design systems typically come to companies at a point where they feel the pain of scaling design principles. And a lot of companies have something like a CSS framework, a style guide. But then you can take it a little bit further, and typically that's where design systems come into play. Yeah, so at Salesforce, we're a pretty big team working on this design system. And uh, How big's your team? So when I arrived, I think we were like five or six, a little bit more maybe, and then now we're more than 20, 25 people, depending on how you count, and like people who are 50% on the project. So uh, part of that team is more engineering-driven, not necessarily design-driven. Yeah. Because we've got UI engineers who are more on the CSS kind of train, and then we have designers, graphic designers, and we have a few engineers who facilitate the delivery of that design system. So that's the stuff I've been writing about. Okay, very cool. And then, so Craig, you at Braintree, yes. which I originally asked you on to talk about how a designer works with a mostly developer-focused product. Yeah. What is your role on the team, and like, what do you do? Sure, I'm a product designer, and my team works on PayPal's developer docs as well as Braintree's developer docs. So it's a pretty large base of developer users. And a lot of development tools that we're building internally that we deal with developers. And do you guys have like a system in play of how to interact with your current state of your your product? A design system? Yeah, sure. Uh, in PayPal, there's a much more insert like set design system because it's just a much bigger product with a lot more touch points. Yeah. In Braintree, it's a little bit more freeform uh, because we're more like a startup. Which is quite exciting to be able to work between a more set design system and a more freeform design system, and dealing with almost the same developers working across both, and 
the differences between that. Cool. And then, so having a design system, I guess anybody can take this question. Like, I know what a style guide does, but a design system, does it help when you have difference of opinions within the team? Like, I know onboarding and having a style guide for code makes it much easier for people to come on board and write code a specific way. So, is that what you guys are looking for with the Lightning? Uh, so I feel like there's multiple definitions of style guide. Yeah. And I want to clarify the one we're talking about right now is not a coding style guide, not like the Airbnb style guide, for example, yeah, which yeah. you had in a, in a pre- yeah, previous it was like episode. Yeah, episode number four? Yeah. Three. It was episode number you three. Tell yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah, I am telling you right yeah. now. <laughs> right. So coding style guide are different from UI style guides. Yeah. So design systems are going to more be around design style guides. Okay. And you can include coding practices inside your design system, but it's not the main function of a design system. Okay, and then so the people putting together design systems, are these these are UI developers or are these designers? It really depends. Some companies have engineer-driven functions and for, for the design system, and some people decide that it should be under marketing or under uh, design. So yeah. it really depends on like the company structure. I feel that the Best is when engineers and designers come together to build a, a product that's kind of bridges the gap between both languages. Yeah, and if um, I could interject there, it's also if the marketing team also gets involved, because uh, often there won't be designers or developers, but they're setting a lot of the style even with their agencies or whoever they're working with, and when they also are involved in this design system, then everything from the marketing site to your developer docs or your app are going to work together. Yeah, and have that consistency. Yeah. When do you guys think is the best or the right time in a company's life cycle to start working on a design system? You know, I don't think every single startup company or product needs a design system, right? Like for you guys, when is the right time to start working on that project? I think there's different scales to a design system. Not everyone should aim to do a lining design system from day one. I feel like you can start with uh, super small abstractions around your color system, your typography, uh, a few things like this. And then if need be, if your company grows, if you have lots of stakeholders and people start having inconsistencies in the user journey, then you can start growing your design system, your, or at least your initial layer of, uh, of abstraction. Does it make sense? Yeah. So it just seems like as a need needed basis, like as you see some sort of inconsistencies or you see consistency, like you can then abstract that process into something like, for example, when I first started at Netlify, which is the company I work at, I did like a, a really easy CSS audit and saw we had like seven different colors of green, like on our own page. So I think something like that would just don't know what hex code to put in one spot or what fonts are preferred on certain pages. It makes sense to like come to a decision across the team to say that. And it sounds like design systems, it's, it's a broad term for something that could be either small beginnings or very large of what Lightning looks like. So, how I see this is that you're talking about like a style guide. Yeah. And that might be the first thing that you build out in your design system. I wouldn't say at the point where you're kind of worried about the color differences or things that you're looking for a design system. Yeah. Uh, you're looking for a style guide. And, a design system is really hard to build, in my experience, when you don't have enough use cases being solved. Okay. So if you just have a app with a few functions and you've got a website, there's not much of a system. You're not like solving a ton of problems yet. 
And once you're solving a ton of problems and you've got a lot of different ways of solving those problems, that's when you want to really invest in your design system so that you're doing it consistently across all those things. For example, at Salesforce, you'll have a big team working on this. At a startup, your designer is just going to make sure they have a style guide. So, Kayla, going back to your blog post, the headline is like design ops. So, I don't know if you, you dropped that term in your explanation, but what's the difference of design ops and design systems? Or is that you need ops to make the systems? So, the article actually is talking about design systems ops specifically. Okay, yeah. And then there's definitely been some talk around front end ops and design ops. So, for example, John Gold's team at Airbnb is, yeah. is definitely design ops. So, I wrote this article because I felt like People start thinking about delivery and how to measure that, that impact that engineers inside a design team can have. So how do you judge the, the efficiency of those engineers inside a, a bigger team and what are their functions and how can they build better bridges to, uh, towards production essentially? Yeah, so th- that function is essentially trying to reduce the distance between the design and the customer. And in big companies, there's sometimes a really long distance. I mean, in the middle of that process between ideation and what the user see, sees, there's so many steps. So what can be automated and what gets in the way of the design getting shipped? So that's what those people are supposed to do. And in the design system, because it's supposed to be the single source of truth of all things design-led or design-related, I feel like that function can have a huge impact at a company. Okay. So Craig, you mentioned there's a separation between Braintree and, and PayPal. So I guess... Braintree internally, I guess we'll come off a little bit of a design system. Actually, I'm interested yeah. in how that parallel works. Like, do you guys never talk to the PayPal people, or is there a cross pollination ever happening? Oh, yeah, there's a very big cross pollination. Okay, um, for sure. My team works closely with people in PayPal. We also work with the UX lab. We work with the people who design the design system in PayPal. We work with the developers. We work with the product managers. And some Braintree product managers are PayPal product managers, so it's it's a very tight knit team that I'm on. So yeah, I would say it's a very parallel. It's not a parallel effort; it's kind of very mingled in. But the ways we design things on each on Braintree or PayPal are different and very different. Okay, so I do have a general question since I have designers all in the room, and Rafa, you probably laugh when I say ask this question, but the question is: Should designers code? <laughs> Long debate. I feel like, I mean, you should do whatever you like to do, to be honest. Uh, what should you do now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, if you're designing for a certain platform, I think you should understand the boundaries of that platform. It doesn't mean that you should be able to know how to build a whole app to be a, a good iOS designer. Yeah. But having one hand in the code definitely, I, I feel like it helps. Um, Does it help with like empathy? Good question. I mean, what I like in, in my job is that I get to create abstractions that empower designers to get closer to the code, I guess. Yeah. So for example, one, I, one thing I like to do is building environments, like prototyping environments, so that designers can get to code in the browser as quickly as possible instead of uh, seeing that as a, as a huge blocker for them to get their ideas to the browser. So yeah, I feel like it's kind of the engineer's Role to go towards designers so that the the bar is lower and they can get to code more easily. I think it's a very empowering and valuable skill to have, especially if you're designing for digital medium anyway, the web or uh, mobile anyway. If you know how stuff is going to be built and how it works, yeah. 
it empowers you. I really think you are a better designer if you know exactly how your vision is going to be turned into reality. With reality, yeah, quote unquote. But I, I guess you can kind of <laughs> disequate that to like if you are designing for fashion, but you don't ever wear clothes. Right, oh, that's a really bad example. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you can understand the concepts behind code and the limitations of code and the ways of solving problems with code without actually being able to code. And yeah. I think I've seen we code a lot. Like a lot of the designers on our team have computer science backgrounds, which is super useful in our case. But I have also seen really, really good designers who don't code and don't have an interest in it. But they can sit next to a developer or pair remotely with a developer perfectly fine. And they can also grasp when they're doing a design the limitations of the browser and of those sorts of things when they do it. You definitely can't do it in a black box. But you don't have to know everything about it. Sure, knowing it like opens up this massive array of tools and this new way of solving problems, like an engineer. But to be a really, really good world-class designer, you don't have to do it. I feel like now with the popularity of React, we've seen a lot of designers like sharing the same language now with with a bunch of uh, developers. Now, like the the definition of like a component or something. Now we're talking about like designers know what it means and even. With Sketch, for example, has symbols and nested symbols. So designers, maybe I speak for myself, but I started designing a lot in, in this component mentality. So in tools like Abstract, which is basically bringing Git to designers, so just a vocabulary of Git, you know, what what is a branch and what is a commit and what is a pull request. We're bringing that basic knowledge and language to designers, which is, in my opinion, great for all this collaboration and communication between. Do you think it's taken a step back, Reactor, with making code friendly for designers? A lot of designers I know who do code find React very hard to grasp as an actual coding concept. Like the concept is great, as you say, for components and composing components because they work very similarly to how Figma or Sketch would do that. But they're a very different mental model to a HTML, like a standard HTML page or a templating language mm-hmm. like Handlebars. It's like uh, I think that the mental model, I think designers can understand, and a lot of them are embracing it. But now the bar of entry, like the how accessible now is to build an app like in React as opposed to just simple HTML and CSS website. Yeah, maybe now that's a bit harder to get into. But I feel like React nowadays. If I had to teach React to a designer like who never touched code or JavaScript is like so hard. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. It's really hard. But on the other hand, like we have very powerful user interface on the web. We are building yeah. apps. It's not just you know a single like a website. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Kalig actually kind of hinted to Airbnb Steam, which has a React component tool mm-hmm. that creates either creates sketch files or reads sketch files. I'm not sure. It creates, yeah. Creates it. Yeah. yeah. So very interesting, intriguing. That is bananas. <laughs> That's John yeah. Gold magic, uh, so I don't completely understand it. But yeah, that's another thing. Like now, if you take like a design system, and you were saying like that's the the source of truth for all design related work. <laughs> but on the other hand, you have like a sketch file that you have to maintain, and then you have maybe a bunch of uh, React components, right? And uh, so there's not one single source of truth, I guess, because you still have this separation of. Unless your React components are your source of truth, yeah, that's true. Which is interesting because we sort of at Netlify we had started like about a year ago doing the React Storybook, 
mm-hmm. creating components. So as quickly as you can design, like get it into code, and then that way we have like a source of truth for all our components. So if we need a form or we need like a credit card functionality somewhere, like we know what it looks like. We literally just drop in components, and then we're most of the way there. Like there's a lot of Redux that needs to happen, but at least as a developer, I can just pull off a shelf of components already built and designed and approved by Rafa, and I'm good to go. So I'm curious, as far as tooling, are there other tools out there that create these design systems? As far as like this, it's a source of truth, but is there other things that kind of help stand it up? Figma Design is doing some really great things. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. I've actually heard about it a lot in the last week for some reason. So they have a system called Team Shared Libraries, where you kind of create this shared library for your team, which consists of components, and they also update. They don't use the words as Git do, but you still go into your kind of design style guide, your design system, you update a component and you publish it. And then when any file that has that component in it will actually, when you open it, it'll say, hey, there's updates to your components. Do you want to update them? And it'll give you a diff, a visual yeah. diff of what those and these are. are like. These are design assets, not actual code mm-hmm. in Figma. It's design assets. Okay. On PayPal or Braintree, we actually our design system sits in code. So it's in PayPal is in a repo that you kind of can include in your like as a package in your project, and that'll give you all of those components access to it. There's a website where you can go see all those components. In Braintree, it sits within more mostly within our SaaS. It's slightly less defined for this. But if you go look at our SAS code and you kind of look through that, you'll find the components there. There's some maintenance that has to be done, right? Yes. Like someone has to update the sketch files or whatever. If a new hire comes in, decides to build the UI for something, and he's a basic set of components, and all this still in Sketch or Figma or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's still this back and forth. I know at least at Shopify they have a whole team that that's their job to ensure consistency across teams and across everything, which is bananas. By the way, by the time this episode comes up, Sketch has a similar thing out there, like a shared yes. libraries, right? Yeah. They're also working on it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, listener, look that up. So you mentioned a really good point: bringing on new designers. Like, I assume things like Lightning, and I know Lightning's been out for quite a few months now. Do you find? I don't know if you've seen many design or UI people will be onboarded after the point. But do you find it's it's an easier process to onboard someone? Say, hey, look at our source of truth. Let me know if you have any questions. Like, what does that process look like? Uh, yeah, it's been a huge improvement. Actually, one new hire wrote a blog post about how easy it was to onboard on the design language because of the design system. And so it was a huge reward. And we're really impressed because the Lightning design system is shipping HTML and CSS. Of course, we have a, a whole lot of design guidelines and, and best practices and like how do we talk to customers in depending on like the context. But what our bread and butter is, well, it's components essentially. And we have so many different stacks that the only way we can ship that is not a React components, it's not Angular components, it's just pure HTML and CSS, so that then any implementation, and it comes back to uh, what was said before around, you know, you need people to update their implementations. And yes, it's a cost we're ready to pay, but I'm really impressed when I see a designer who is very comfortable with like Vue.js or Angular and builds a whole prototype solving really, really complex problems. I don't have to learn React or learn our own Aura framework, or you know, they just plug HTML, CSS into their habits, their way of coding and their way of you know tinkering in the browser, 
and they built amazing prototypes. So that helped a lot. And then we uh, we now have a team who's in charge of keeping the the sketch files up to date. I mean, we're at the point where it's not really a big problem if the sketch files are not completely up to date, because in production it will get corrected anyway. The intent is really what's important for us. That hits it on the head for me. Like your sketch files don't have to be your design files, wherever they are, don't have to be one hundred percent up to date unless you fundamentally change the way something works. Like the source of truth is that code, that HTML and CSS that you can pull down. And when you're pairing with developers to get your design through, you're going to learn about those things. The big thing is that you're solving the design problem, and the design system should take care of it when it gets implemented. If you did miss something or you're using an outdated version of a style guide. So, and I don't know if you guys have been around long enough in your companies or previous companies to answer this question, but um, what happens if you guys go to like Design 2.0 or Design 3.0, like the next wave of design? What happens to your design system? Do you fork it? Do you, I guess, what happens to your design? Anybody? Iteration. Like iteration? Iteration is, I, I feel like that, that's where it is. So okay. I don't know if you ever used Foursquare like way back, but they yeah. just like kept redesigning their app. They just kept like, it was totally new every few months. And we used to see that a lot with different apps and websites. Whereas now we're seeing a lot of like movement towards Airbnb is a great example. Like if I go to an Airbnb today, it's fundamentally different to how it was. A while back, but I can still see it's Airbnb. They just, it feels new. They just keep iterating on it. Well, they did a massive redesign though. That was like one of the best orchestrated redesigns I've ever seen because all at once they redesigned everything. And shipping all that stuff at once was like, wow. To me, it felt like an iteration on the design, like a big iteration, but it didn't feel like this crazy new direction. Like their new logo, all that stuff, like it just felt like a natural progression. And that's, I think, like a new design on that. It's like whether you fork it or you, like, yeah. whatever you do, start from scratch. If it's got that same soul, like, you're gonna feel it. There was a lot of drama on that new logo, by the way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what about uh, like? So I guess iteration. Then we could talk about GitHub's black bar. Yeah. Like to be honest, I haven't even noticed that there's been any other changes. I just remember the black bar was like the big yeah. thing that someone said something a, about, and I was like, color changes yeah. uh, for accessibility as well. And yeah. there's reasons behind this change, and uh, Diana Mounter actually has been speaking about it in her talk in New York about design systems at GitHub. Super interesting. Oh, yeah, she just gave a talk recently at the Jamstack conference, Active Ingredients. So she was actually just here on Thursday. Nice. Yeah. Honestly, I missed that talk. That was the only talk I missed. But I'm looking good. forward to the video coming out soon. Yeah, I was there. It was pretty good. Cool. And oh, sorry, I interrupted you. What were you? Oh yeah, just. Uh, I know there was some drama about it as well, yeah. and about this color change. I think the the reason is that they were not happy with uh, kind of the blending of all these grays at the top of the screen, and they yeah. felt like for future iterations it made more sense to to switch to black, which is what the enterprise edition of GitHub is actually mm-hmm. using. So yeah, that was really hard after they did that to tell if I was on my personal GitHub or if yeah. I was on my enterprise <laughs> GitHub. Yeah, interesting. Design is everywhere, and. Uh, have we reached an inflection point where now design systems? So again, back to my original like reason for doing this, and the reason I just keep seeing more and more people talk about design systems. And as a developer, I'm not really in tune with what design happens. Like I know, I remember the Airbnb thing, I remember the GitHub thing, I remember when Lightning came out, but I don't have like my finger on the pulse of design. So no, no one has. No one has the, <laughs> the pulse. There is no pulse. <laughs> 
So, I mean, so is it going to look like everybody's going to roll out their new version of Lightning, it, or is there going to be a design system that everybody flocks to because it solves most problems when it comes to like operations of design and discovery? And I mean, I don't see a, something like Bootstrap becoming the next design system for everyone because there's so much more, like it, from the brand, from the voice and tone, from like, there's so much you can put into a design system. Even you could even codify how chatbots should interact with customers inside a design system. Yeah, any kind of interaction pattern you could put that into a design system. So I don't think there's, there's going to be a one size fits all. So is anyone using Storybook React Storybook here? Yeah, we are at yeah. Nelfi. Yeah, has there been some? Recent movement on the repo recently, all the maintainers just dropping the ball or something like that. Yeah, so I do know the history on that where the maintainer has had a life change and a career change, which has caused them to work for an actual company as opposed to Mm. uh, consulting. So, open source wise, people have stepped up to take it over, but it's still a bit in limbo. So, there could be some big changes that could just be pretty stagnant and moving forward. But there is a team around it that is now going to take ownership for it. But that's as far as I know. So. Yeah, so I see that kind of system as the closest thing to a ubiquitous way of building, not necessarily design systems, but at least big component libraries. Yeah, yeah. yeah it seemed to have a lot of potential, but it kind of it got really stagnant really quickly. So there's this uh, very interesting piece by David Cora. So someone asked, why are so many product design teams building uh, yeah. design systems these days? And he had a, an interesting take. He said that UI. Now, like, there's not a lot of innovation in that field, you know, with things like Bootstrap and user interface nowadays for mobile or for web, it's pretty standard. Like, we reach a level of maturity that we're not going to release like a terrible UI. Like, it's easy to get the basics done. So, he says that design system is where innovation can happen in a way. It's the only way for you as a designer to like be super innovative and try new things, and that's. Where we're going, because it feels like maybe I'm biased because where I work at and the town that I'm in right now. But it feels like designers are more and more interested in going the extra mile. That's why designers are learning how to code. Designers are learning React and all because we want to go the extra mile because we want more innovation. Because UI design is getting pretty stale at the moment. Yeah, I think to come back to the target audience of this podcast, you can see the same thing with uh, developers. When they grow in their career, just writing code for writing code is not necessarily the most exciting thing anymore. And so a lot of people start thinking about architecture and it feels like the same thing is happening and design systems is kind of... uh, Design architecture, I guess, where you think about the bigger picture and pushing pixels is not necessarily what's, you know, making you feel good uh, about your job and your impact. And so design systems can be one, one evolution of that. Cool. I'd see it as like a, a double edged sword. It might be the mo- not the most popular opinion, but I have also seen design systems cause like a complacency in design where everything kind of, we just solve something with the components that are available yeah. instead of. Rethinking how something should be solved, but then on the other side, like sometimes it can bring about like incredible innovation. So I think it's just each problem. Like, am I solving the user's problem for real, or am I just putting together some components because I'm I'm that's what I've got to do? And it's really maybe it's an irritation for me to reach out to my design system maintainers and get them to update their component or change their mind about how something should work. So I'm just going to use it. Yeah. So I think it's just something to like. While it is like a great point of innovation, something to also keep in mind is to be careful 
Yeah, yeah don't get stagnant. Solve the real problem. Yeah, going to your point, code. I think is it's changed a lot in the last couple of years. Like now, with React solving the view problem, there's other view libraries like Vue, but <laughs> it's opened up other things like Redux, which has solved the data flow problem, and it's also opened up even even more interesting things like GraphQL, which is in solving the data problem one step more. So I think we're moving forward as the web changes, and I think as you said, Rafa, we're moving design forward as well. So no more. Simple UI with the uh, hamburger menus. I think hamburger menus are kind of dying. I don't I know. Think it's, They're yeah. still everywhere. Yeah. Sometimes well, they still work. The iteration. The common sense that they're the devil now, I think. Well, with that being said, <laughs> I'll go ahead and end the conversation there. And uh, let's actually move to picks. So these are jam picks, things that you are jamming on, things that get your interest. It doesn't have to be design or developer related, though if you have them, please give them. But I will start the tone. With my first pick, which is air conditioning, I am a very big fan of air conditioning, especially these past couple days. Um, I just, I think coming in the heavy bits office is actually a breath of fresh air, literally, because <laughs> uh, they do have AC here, and uh, I tend to go to Safeway on the weekends if it's hot. Just so, hang out there. life hack: just walk around Safeway while I get to the mall, and just hang out with your friends. And if they have a Starbucks, it's even better. So, living the life. <laughs> yeah, living the life, air conditioning. I also do want to pick this, the Spec Network too. They are a really cool network that has podcasts as well, just like the Heavy Bit podcast. And they have Rafa's podcast, which is layout and then design details as well. Cool. And then Immutable is also another one of my favorites as well. So definitely check it out. And uh, Caleb, did you have any picks for us? Yes, I've got two picks related to design systems. So first pick is the design systems uh, Slack channel or Slack, whatever yeah. it is. Uh, <laughs> the design systems Slack, designsystems.herokuapp.com for registration. There's more than 2,000 people on there who are super passionate about design systems. And so that was kicked off by Gina, who's one of my colleagues, and she's awesome. And she's also putting together a conference in November, I believe, called Clarity. And Clarity Conf, it was last year just amazing. One of the best, if not the best conference I've ever been to with some really legendary speakers such as Richard Daney, who built the NASA design system back in the wow. 70s. Yeah, well, super. My, my joke is usually uh, whenever I'm teaching people how to code, I'm like, oh, just write the code, see the console error. We're not launching rockets. Like, it's okay. <laughs> uh, in that case, if you're working at NASA, <laughs> make sure it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my two picks. Cool. Rafa? Uh, mine has nothing to do with design. Ah, no worries. I've been really into uh, Mario Kart on the Switch. It's awesome. So I guess nice. I guess it's two picks, uh, a Switch and Mario Kart. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And Greg, did you have anything else you're jamming on? Yeah, I've got one pick, uh, and that would be, I mentioned it earlier, Figma Design. Like I have spent some time with their team, and they're Really moving really quickly in the design space. Their vector tool is absolutely amazing. Team libraries. I know Sketch is working on something similar, but right now, like their team library is something quite unique. And uh, yeah, I use it on my Windows computer at home, on my gaming machine, or at work on my Mac. Yeah, it's uh, a web. A yeah, web it's web based. Okay. They have apps for Windows and for Mac. It is a web app, like wrapped yeah, in yeah, a electron. component, but Electron. Yeah. yeah. But definitely changing the way we do work and pairing using it. Cool. Well, thanks, Craig, and thanks everybody for your picks. And thanks for coming and talk about design systems here on the Jamstack Radio. I definitely thought this was a really awesome conversation. It's actually sparked more interest for me to actually look into it. Awesome. So cool. Thanks again, cool. guys. Awesome. Thanks Thank for you, having me. And thanks keep you. spreading the jam. 
That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 